Welcome back to Desk Talk, episode number three. I'm Alex McGall. And I'm Trent Werner. Today we're talking about the top five reasons people don't invest in real estate. The five reasons are capital, fear, lack of knowledge, cynicism, and a misguided mindset. Alex, let's start off with capital. Yeah, so I mean, with capital, obviously, it's a big problem. If you don't have money, then how are you going to make an investment? It's a problem for a lot of people, especially younger, you know, fresh out of college. You don't really have a job that's going to pay you something where you can put fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 down payment on a house and start your investment journey through there. Most people don't even know how to save enough money to get themselves to that point. So I'd say capital is probably just the number one reason out there why someone's going to tell you they're not invested in real estate. Yeah, and I mean... Not having enough money is true in some regards, but it also is an excuse for people that may be on the fence and that's the reason that's holding them back. I mean, from your side of things, from the lending side of things, give us a couple examples of creative financing to get an investment property or to get your second property, your first investment property, or your first property in general that is an investment property. Yeah. So, I mean, for someone that's our age, younger, and obviously looking to buy their first property, there's tons of things out there that you can utilize. There's tons of down payment assistant programs. I mean, for example, there's one, especially here in Oregon, it's called an individual development account where if you put in $3,000, they match that four to one or three to one. And now you walk out with $12,000 to a down payment and you don't owe that money back. So, there's ways to get around. I don't have the money. I don't have the money. It's it's pretty simple. It's come talk to a lender and figure out the options you do have because a good lender will sit there and they'll be creative with it and they'll figure out a way to make it so you can get into that property. I mean, that's my job at the end of the day to get people into properties. So, And that's a huge point that he just mentioned is a good lender is going to figure out a way to make it happen. I know we talked about it on episode one where we were kind of dove pretty deep in figuring a way to make things happen is a big piece of real estate investing. And a good lender is not going to just say, hey, sorry, you're not qualified. You don't get approved. You can't get a loan. A good lender is going to figure out, okay, hey, this is what's holding us back now. How do we mitigate that? How do we fix that issue? Or let's look into a couple other loan programs and get it done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's big to just sit down with a lender and understand your options because, I mean, you might not think that there's a way, but there is a way. And I promise you a good lender will sit down and figure that way out for you. And granted, it might come down to credit where you literally have such poor credit, you physically can't get a loan. Well, a good lender won't just kick you to the curb. They'll actually sit there and, and build your credit with you and, and help you understand. They'll build the roadmap is like what I like to call it. If you're planning six, 12 months out of buying, then I want to talk to you now and I want to help you figure out that roadmap so that you can follow that roadmap. So where it comes to the day that you're ready to buy, it's going to be a smooth process instead of this like rocky, oh, wait, you didn't follow the process. You didn't get enough down payment. Oh, okay. But there's tons of ways to be creative with it. I mean, all the way from asking your parents for, you know, assistance or even seller concessions. That's big for lenders to ask for seller concessions. And that's where the seller pays a portion of your closing costs. Whenever there's a way, we'll find it for you. It's it's just a matter of talking and figuring out those options. Yeah. And two things there, if it is a credit issue, like Alex said, they'll help you build a plan to repair that credit. They're not going to kick you to the curb if they're a good lender. And if, if it's a down payment issue, go to someone in your family that maybe has some extra cash and they'll lend you that or there'll be a co-signer with you and gift you those funds and yeah you can pay them back you can pay them interest on a private loan and now you're into a, a property that you can buy and you're starting your portfolio that way the other thing you know 
if you have a unique situation, let's say you're self-employed and you don't have two years of tax returns yet for a traditional lender, but you have a bunch of cash saved up, try first going to, you know, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, and say, hey, I have this much cash. I just need the gap. I need to bridge the gap to buy this place. I'll pay you back in five years. Give them a promissory note. Boom. That'll work. Or try hard money route. I mean, it's definitely a little bit more aggressive, especially for your first property. But, you know, if you've been doing it a couple years now and you have a couple properties in your portfolio, explore that hard money route because, yeah, you're going to pay a little bit more interest. You're going to pay more down up front in terms of the upfront points that they charge. But, you know, six months later, you can go to Alex, the traditional mortgage broker, and refinance with him and get into a better loan program that way. So there's a bunch of different avenues to go down and don't let capital necessarily be the reason that you're staying on the the bad side of the fence. If you're on the fence, get to the good side. Don't stay on the bad side. Agree. I agree with that. Okay. Second reason people don't invest in real estate is fear. I think in my opinion, this is probably the biggest one just because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are scared to lose money. They're afraid of the unknown. Oh my gosh. What if my tenant destroys my home? Oh my gosh. What if they get evicted? It's just all the, oh my gosh, like what if, what if, what if? It's it's just the big fear factor. Yeah. We talked about it in one of our first episodes. Like, if you have that fear factor of, of a rental property, then there's a property management company that can take it right off your hands. Mm-hmm. There's ways around it. I think fear is just some people have it. And I mean, if you want to change your life and, and actually do it, then if fear is holding you back, then I mean, gosh, what are you going to do there? You're never going to change your life. Like, you got to do something, tackle your fears. I mean, there's people out there every day that challenge themselves to tackle something that's made them afraid their whole lives. It, at the end of it, it makes him a better person. Yeah, if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad yet, I highly recommend you read that because Robert Kiyosaki talks about fear and he gives some good examples as to overcoming your fear of investing, I guess we'll call it, because every person who's wealthy now has at one point lost money. It's just a given. You can't be afraid of losing money because if you're afraid of losing money, you're never going to take the first step of investing and you're going to be hiding your money under a mattress for the rest of your life and hope that you save enough money over the next 40 years. Yeah. I mean, if not even more than that with the way properties are headed this time of year, I mean, it goes back to just tackling your fears. I mean, setting out every day and and tackling one thing. And if, if that's a fear of maybe investing in some piece of either real estate, stocks, like whatever it is. I mean, there's ways to mitigate that. There's like an app out there where, you know, someone that's young can start investing their rounded up change where you might yeah. not think you're investing, but every time you swipe your debit card, it's investing for you. Oh my gosh, you see a little growth on that and now you can start to buy into the process of like, oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. Why not? Compound interest, baby. I mean, the last thing I'm going to say about fear is if you can get to the point where you use your fears for motivation and for strength and just say, hey, yeah, I might be a little worried about this, but I'm going to do it anyway and I'm going to overcome these obstacles as I'm going through it. That's helped me and that's helped a bunch of people either start investing in real estate, continue investing in real estate or invest in whatever they want to, you know, what stocks, bonds, businesses, whatever it may be. If you can get over that and use that fear as motivation, you're not only going to work harder but you're going to thank yourself down the road because, you know, some of these investments are going to turn out for you. You're like, wow, I'm super glad I did that instead of just sitting on the sideline and watching other people play the game. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to something I've told myself for a while is start making decisions today that you thank yourself 10 years from now for. Mm -hmm. And 
And if I didn't make a decision today to go out and buy a real estate property and then fast forward 10 years and I'm still in the same situation I am, it's just like, what am I doing? Like, why not look back and always thank yourself? Like, wow, good job, Alex. Great job on investing in that piece of property. You just made a hundred grand off of it. Like, sick. Yeah. And I mean, you hear these stories all the time, you know, it's different in different markets, but like in Portland here, we hear stories all the time. Someone's owned a property for 30 years. They bought it for $12,000 30 years ago. And now it's worth four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000 because back then when $12,000 was a lot of money, they still took the plunge. They said, you know what? I'm going to ride this thing out. I'm going to let it ride. Here's twelve grand. i am going to buy this house. And boom, look where they got to right now. Yeah, I mean, you're part of the little HomeBot software that I use to send out to my clients. It's like a monthly report that's just custom to you and your home. And I have some clients in there that, you know, they've owned their home outright for forever, but they still just want to watch the appreciation grow. And so you put them in there. And when their home sold, the last purchase was like 1986 for $85,000. And you look at the home value today. And it's up in like the 500, 560s. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So this person's about a big 5,000% return on their investment. Like, seems like a no-brainer in my eyes. I mean, speaking of HomeBot, I just pulled my report up that I got from Alex this month. I bought our duplex just over 12 months ago. And I already have $25,000 of additional equity from when we bought it. And I rent out one side, so... I'm not I'm not putting twenty five thousand dollars of equity in there myself. No, yeah, that's the, that's the crazy part is just you just watch it appreciate and that's just equity that goes straight into your pocket basically. I mean, yep. By all means, you've already netted twenty five thousand dollars. Most people don't even net that in years of working their job, especially with all expenses nowadays. Yeah, I honestly can't seem to go a day without spending a dollar. It's, <laughs> it's honestly impossible. Third reason people do not invest in real estate is lack of knowledge. You know, whether you're from a family that doesn't have real estate investors in it or, I mean, school's not teaching you this, so don't count on that. But, you know, talk a little bit about people's lack of knowledge when it comes to real estate investing as a whole. Not necessarily different types of real estate investing, but, you know, what are common things that people just don't know about real estate investing? Yeah, I mean, it's simple. It's you don't know what you don't know. And that's like something that's been preached all the time when you get into your first job. And if I worked sales for my first job and it was all about you don't know what you don't know. And it comes down to like, you know, cap rate, NOI, ROI, all these terms that are thrown and mushed together. And you're sitting there and it's just like Chinese to you and you don't know exactly what's going on. It's That's the knowledge piece behind it is understanding all the terminology that's in our industry. And You know, if you've never looked at real estate and you don't know the market, then obviously you're not going to have the knowledge behind it. But it's what are a couple ways to start to gain knowledge in this topic? Just research. I mean, like you said, you're basically learning a foreign language, especially if you have no background information regarding real estate investing. Spend an hour a day or spend 30 minutes a day just learning, watching videos, listening to podcasts, surfing the Internet. There's so much information out there. Learn the acronyms that people use understand how to calculate those acronyms, understand what they mean. And as soon as you do that, you're going to be able to hold your own in a real estate conversation. So if you talk with a seasoned investor, they're like, oh yeah, I had a ROI of 50% on this one. I had an IRR of, you know, 20%. I had a cash on cash return of this, blah, 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 blah. My cap rates here. You're going to understand what that verbiage means and you're going to be more knowledgeable on the topic. The other thing, like I said, if you don't come from 
a household that has real estate investors in it, you're probably going to be taught, you know, buy a single family house, get a good job, buy a house, live in it for the next 30 years and watch it appreciate, which is cool. It's not wrong. No, no, no. That's, that's awesome. But, but let's think about generational wealth. Yeah. Yeah. Think longer. Think longer. I mean, 30 years is a long time. So yeah, own that house for 30 years. But why wouldn't you move into another one? What happens in 90 years to that house? What happens in 100 years to that house? Your yeah. kids will have that house. And imagine if you had 12 of those. You know, it doesn't have to be one. You can have a house. You can move a couple years later and keep that and rent it out. And then boom, now you have two houses. Yeah, I mean, if you're coming to me to buy your first property, I could already tell you I'm going to structure your loans in a way where you're going to be moving and turning these old properties into investment properties that are going to net you cash. And it's just like... That's my style of lending is like, I'm not going to let someone sit in the background and be so comfortable. I want people to be uncomfortable. You grow when you're uncomfortable. You learn from those uncomfortable situations. And if I can put you in a comfortable situation and watch you prosper in the end, that's the home run in my eyes too, is watching someone realize like, oh my gosh, I did not know I had this potential. And soon they own, you know, 12 units under their name. They're all netting them cash. It's just like, they're all appreciating every year. Rents are going up. Huge too. It's like, you got a cash flow property that's one paying you every month and then two also appreciating over time so the longer you hold on to it you know the more money you're going to net in the end and then i mean for our market specifically in portland oregon here a lot of people don't have the knowledge of the market you know they see the news they see oh home values are inflated they're going up rapidly we can't afford this inventory short everything that you hear on the news it's competitive with other buyers all that jazz but they don't do the research themselves. They count on someone else telling them what they think that they should know. When in reality, you can find good deals. And in Portland, you can find deals that cash flow well and are appreciating faster than the national average. I mean, those are the two main pieces of real estate investing and you can get both here in this market. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the whole, and I hate to say this, but like fake news. There's so much of it out there and, and it's not even just fake news, it's just, Fake information, wrong information. If there's so many people that claim that they're, you know, top of the top or they're the best in the business and then they give out this information that is just so gut-wrenchingly wrong and it's it's hard to even watch, yeah. but that's the rap that we get put on for being in the industry and it's... And no one calls them on it. No, no one does because they're the top of the top. They're top 1% in Portland market and it's just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, and then going back to the whole creative financing that we touched on a little bit in capital section here the lack of knowledge in obtaining financing you know we talked about all these different ways to get a loan to buy a property research that too learn how to do those different strategies because the first deal is easiest because you can go in and put three three and a half percent down on three percent you can do three percent now and if you're a veteran you can put zero on an owner-occupied multifamily two to four unit. And you know, that's creative. Yeah, your monthly payment might be a little higher, all this stuff, it's still gonna appreciate. And if you can keep your expenses low, you still might cash flow on that. And I mean, and once you refinance, you're gonna cash flow, you know, to the bank. But learn about the different aspects of real estate investing, not necessarily how to analyze a deal, not necessarily the verbiage, which those are two huge factors that you need to learn but the financing the financing is the hardest part in my opinion and you can get super creative and make deals happen if you have 
a little bit of determination and you're willing to explore all avenues of financing because you got to be open to it as well i mean you can't just be this closed-minded person that thinks it's going to be a smooth sailing process like when you talk being creative with it you're going away from the cookie cutter lines where it's just a smooth sailing process i yeah. mean when we get creative with it you're gonna have to understand that there's some bumps in the roads and if you're not ready to fight that challenge with me and go down those bumps then getting creative on it isn't probably going to be the best option for you you just have to be open and understanding that it's going to be a process i mean it is with so many people when you talk self-employed someone who isn't just a normal w-2 borrower you have to bring in your tax returns your business's tax returns and if your business has a huge operating loss you're probably not going to get approved it goes back to like my parents my mother is the only one that sits on the loan because my father has businesses that he's opened up and a couple of them look like they have big losses but that's a couple first years first year in the business it happens when you're an entrepreneur and you start new businesses it looks like you have large losses in your first couple years in business and those end up ultimately getting you declined on a loan it's hard when you talk about that and creative financing there's so many ways to do it i mean bank statement loans there's bank statements out there where you could literally just submit your bank statements and, and get a loan i mean there's loans out there where you can draw against your assets so basically if you have 401k if you have all these investment accounts set up you can draw against your assets with that company and they'll take a loan out on that and it's just it's another way so if you've got the assets but you don't have like the cash then pull against your assets it's another way to do it or if you're self-employed and you keep getting declined everywhere you go then maybe your assets are going to be the best way to get you approved and into a home and then from there on obviously refinancing out into a normal conventional mortgage it's just getting you into that home so that you can understand and start to play the game of real estate and start to like we talked about in our first episode leveraging your equity you know riding the appreciation train there's just so many ways to do it but if you're not into the game then you're not playing the game you're not doing any part of the game you're just sitting on the sidelines watching everyone you're not even sitting on the sideline you're sitting in the 300 level cheap seats while everyone else is playing the game and slam dunking all over the court i mean last thing i want to talk about with the whole lack of knowledge thing is you talked about creativity if you have a client that's not willing to be creative and maybe take a couple more steps in the process and overcome a couple more obstacles or jump through a few more hoops it's a lost cause because that client isn't determined enough to make it happen where they're going to play devil's advocate on everything. They're going to be pessimistic about everything. And if that's the case, then they might as well just flush their money down the toilet every month while renting. renting yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it goes back to when I talk about like laying out a plan for someone. If you come to me and you say, I want to buy in eight months, I'm going to lay out a plan for you. And if you follow that plan, you're going to buy in eight months. But if I call you in six months and you haven't done a single thing towards that plan, then that not only wasted my time, but that wasted all of your time as well. Yeah. Spending out, figuring out that plan, how to do it. If you're not serious and you're not actually going to follow a plan that someone lays out for you, then there's just no point in even talking about it in the first place. It's the motivation behind it. And, you know, if you're sitting there and it's all the fear in the back of your head that you don't want to do this, then might not be for you. I mean, that, renting from your, your property fine. manager might be the best case scenario for you. And just, I mean, watching that money, I mean, literally just take a tub and cut the bottom out and just start throwing it down it. And that's literally where your money's going. Yeah. And I mean, that leads into our fourth reason people don't invest in real estate is cynicism. I mean, everyone talks about cynicism as a, a deterrent and an obstacle for taking the plunge investing in real estate because it's a real thing. You know, it's super common. A lot of people have it. But, you know, going back to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, if you haven't read the book, read the book. 
Chicken Little syndrome, I guess is what I'm going to call it, from the book where he Robert Kiyosaki talks about everyone knows a Chicken Little, where the sky is falling, you know, woe is me, it's never going to work out, they're super pessimistic, yada, yada, yada. Just take your cynicism, roll it up in a ball, and throw it as far as you can away from yourself. Punch because, it. Yeah. I mean, Get that thing out of there. I mean... Put that thing in a Not tank everything's and too shoot good it. to be true these days. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's so much out there where it's you get the right mentor, you get the right person who's been successful doing what they're doing, and you follow them. Like I'm sorry, but being cynicist about that is only going to hurt you in the long run. If, if you have all the hope and you understand that you know you see the long term, I, I like to call it blind faith. Like having blind faith in someone. If you don't know anything about the topic and you're going to go out and research or talk to me as a lender then I'm going to hope that you have blind faith in my advising skills. And, and if I understand your goals and where you want to be, then I'm going to be able to align you with those goals and where you want to be. And if you don't have the blind faith to follow along with that, then where are we going? Like, it's only going down. Like, you're yeah. not going up. Yeah. And I mean, there's an excuse for everything. Everyone has an excuse to not do something. And like we talked about the whole fear situation, if you can use that excuse and attack it head on and understand that, yeah, things could happen, but that they're not guaranteed to happen. Why not understand and kind of corral that fear and that cynicism and just compartmentalize it off to the side? And if things do happen, you've already thought that they were going to happen. So you know how to approach them and attack them, where if you just let that control you, you're sitting there the whole time and all you're talking about is, you know, the market could crash tomorrow. Well, yeah, the market could crash tomorrow, but if you have the job or the income on a monthly basis to handle the monthly payment, then on paper, your house might be worth less. But when the market comes back up, (laughs) that paper is shredded and it's not worth less anymore. I mean, the cynicism and the excuses that come from the people that, like I said earlier, are sitting in the cheap seats paying $7 on StubHub for the tickets, they're never going to get in the game. And it sucks because... Real estate investing is not a hard concept and it's not a hard plan to follow. You're not recreating the wheel. Yeah, you're not reinventing anything. It's been done thousands and thousands of times before and that's why all of the programs and the processes in place are in place right now is because you learn from going through the transactions. You know, All the regulatory agencies have learned from the years of it being a thing to finally get tighter and tighter and tighter around all these different areas to make it so it's not so loose loose or I guess tackles the fear that some people might have a little bit more going back to the the cynicism thing and I take cynicism and I equate that to failure the second that you're cynicist about something you will always fail because you're always going to find a way to make it not work instead of when you're you're hopeful and you go in with like the idea of like I'm going to be successful in real estate I'm going to kill it I'm going to invest in this many properties set a goal that's a big thing a set a goal which could be a yeah. whole other topic but you set a goal and when you go out and you really believe that you're going to achieve that goal you're going to achieve it but if you set this goal and the day you come out and you're just like oh, I don't know if I'll get there I don't know if what if what if oh maybe uh you're failing you're you're never going to get there like I'm sorry but it just happens to be the thing like there's no way you can take all the negatives in something and still become successful in it when all you do is have faith that everything bad's going to happen to you. Manifestation. It's a mindset thing, you know. If you believe 100% that it's going to happen, you have a way higher probability of making that happen than if you, you know, you set a goal, I want to own 10 properties. But before you even buy your first one, you're like, wow, it's going to be really hard to buy 10 properties. 
I wonder how I'm going to make it happen. Oh, God, I'm in for a long haul. Dude, you just lost the game before you even started. Before the coin toss even happened, yeah. like, you just lost the game. Yeah. Sorry. Alex and I both played baseball. A big thing that was a huge pet peeve of mine was, I mean, I'm super confident hitter. You know, I was a good hitter. I was confident in hitting. You know, we'd be facing a guy throwing 92, whatever, you know. And guys in the dugout are saying, like, wow, he's throwing really fast. He's got good stuff. I'm like, dude, you guys just struck out. and You're hitting seventh in the order right now. You struck out the whole lineup. When they have leadoff batter, yeah. which is a big thing in baseball, is the leadoff batters go out there, you know, feel the pitcher, understand the pitcher, try and get as many pitches out of him as possible. And if he strikes out, he doesn't get on base, cool, he comes back to the dugout, and what does he do? He hypes his team up. Guys, this is going to be easy. This is what he's going to see, blah, blah, blah. But as that leadoff hitter, if you come back with the mindset of like, Holy shit, he throws so hard. Oh my god, he's got a wicked curveball. It's like you not only just hurt yourself, you hurt everyone else in that order because all that's gonna be in the back of their head is like, oh my gosh, like his curveball. Oh my gosh, this instead of oh, easy fastball. He paints it on the outside corner, first pitch every time. Okay, boom, step up there. Like yeah. the rallies and teams that are good hitting strive behind that first batter being someone that's a leader and understanding not to have this like cynicist mindset about it. So But the thing is is this, it's not always the one through five hitters. No. You know, typically those are like your top hitters. But it's like the seven and eight batter in the lineup that are sitting in the dugout talking to themselves saying, oh, my God, this guy can't even see the ball come to the plate. Well, it's like the people sitting in the 300 level. You know, if, if you're a person that is like, okay, I'm going to get serious and I'm going to invest in real estate, I'm going to invest in anything, matter of fact, stock market, a business, I'm going to start my own company, whatever it is. If you listen to someone who's never done it before, doesn't know what they're talking about and you let them influence your mindset and your confidence level you might as well not even try because you already lost before you even stepped on the court you know before you even crossed that chalk line and stepped on the field you took an l and it's already in the column lebron james is the best basketball player and if i wanted him to mentor me I'd probably be good at basketball, but if I wanted to get into basketball and I was like, oh, let me go ask Tiger Woods how to play basketball, it's like, you're following the wrong person. Like, yeah, he's yeah. successful in his own entity, but LeBron James is a different human when it comes to basketball, and if you're following and you want to be in basketball, then obviously you want to follow the best in basketball. But it's the same thing with, like, real estate. You know, if, if you're going to read online about all the people that have had problems and why it's not the best investment, why you should never invest in real estate, blah, 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 like everything that they say – then you're just going to follow the pack of failures. Like, why not follow that person that's successful who owns 65 units in the Portland area and he's killing it? Obviously, you want to follow that person. You don't want to follow someone who's stagnant. It's closed-minded versus growth-minded. There's people out there who think they're comfortable where they are. That's closed-minded. There's people who they're comfortable, but they want to get somewhere else. And they're always looking to grow. And it's, you want to be with those growth mindset people, not those closed-minded. I wanted to let Alex finish his thought there, but... Tiger Woods is an athlete. I'm sure he's a very solid basketball player. <laughs> so a better example would be if I want to get better at basketball, I'm going to follow LeBron James. If I wanted to get better at basketball, I'm not going to follow Ted Smith, who works behind a desk at a banking job. Don't Joe disrespect Snow. Eldrick Taunt Woods. That's my guy. It wasn't disrespect. It was just saying, you know, you're following <laughs> probably the wrong person. He's an athlete, but at the end of the day, he's an athlete in his sport and not basketball. I mean, honestly, I'd love to see that guy jump get up for a rebound not anymore he's had two back <laughs> surgeries and a fusion so but i mean the one thing that you could take from that example is you know as athletes lebron is a great basketball player tiger is a great golfer they both have the same mindset though they're confident in themselves and they're willing to outwork their opponents to become the best at their sport 
that goes right back to what we were talking about where it's like, you know, you're listening to the guy sitting in the 300 level that paid eight bucks for his ticket right before the game. And he's like, oh, that basketball player down there is so bad. Well, the guy's on the court. You're sitting where you need in the binoculars to bro. see the game. You're watching the game on the big jumbotron because you can't even see it because you're so far away. Don't let that person influence you. No matter, so no matter many what people, they say. so many people follow those naysayers that sit up in those nosebleeds, and it's mind blowing to me why someone's going to take advice and direction from someone who's not in the position they want to be. I mean, yeah, I'll listen and I'll understand, but I'm going to take it with a grain of salt and probably not put that into my daily life when I'm watching you fail time after time. But if someone who's killing it in the real estate game or killing it in the sports field and they're an athlete and they tell me like hey you might want to tweak this you might want to do this you bet your sweet ass i'm tweaking that oh yeah and i mean that leads right into our fifth reason people don't invest in real estate which is a misguided mindset you know we talked about the person who's never done it before but they're very adamant on why you shouldn't do it why you shouldn't invest in real estate and you know we talked about people that are flushing their money down the toilet every month paying rent because they have all these excuses not to get to the good side of the fence. You know, they're on the fence, but ultimately they're going to fall back to the bad side instead of taking that that forward lean and going to the good side. And, you know, a lot of people, especially nowadays, as a millennial ourselves and as someone who has grown up in this era of speed and quickness, I guess, where everyone wants what they want now. I want to be rich tomorrow. Yeah. How do I do it? Or I want my phone screen to load faster. You know, that took forever. It took five seconds to load instead of one. You know, everything that you do is so instant that people translate that into success and building wealth where they fall into those get rich quick schemes. They don't think five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years down the road. They're too focused on how do I get rich by next week? How do I get rich by next month? I'm sick and tired of where I'm at. I want to get rich by next month. It's not going to happen. I mean, it does. There's so many overnight millionaires with the lottery, technology, lottery, all that stuff. You can create a website and yeah, you've been doing it. Those people that get rich overnight, those overnight millionaires, they've been doing whatever website they created or whatever software they developed or whatever business they started. They didn't start it yesterday and get rich tomorrow. They it's failed been years in times. A, yeah, it's been years in the making, and they failed while they did it. You know, you have like, to learn from your failures to grow. I mean, yeah, you can't just always expect to be successful. Like everything you do, you're going to be good at. No, like you have to fail to learn how to pick yourself back up, gather everything that you've dropped in that failure, get over that hump, and then move on and start fresh again. It's like if you're just going to be stuck in that that failure's your wall, then. You're never getting over that wall. You're, you're never going to even be able to pick up your stuff if you're, all you're going to do is dread that failure. And that goes back into the fear of things. You know, you, you might have failed once when you were younger with like an investment or something. Who knows? Whatever it may be. But that one thing is holding you back from doing so much more. And it's just like, why? Yeah. And I, I mean, this kind of ties all the previous four together. But if you're willing to be the outlier, if you're willing not to follow suit with what you're hearing online, what you're hearing on the media, what other people are telling you you're going to do better than those people that are filling your head with bad information. I mean, the misguided mindset, in my opinion, it's just detrimental. It will cripple someone who is motivated. I mean, you could be as motivated as you want, confident in yourself, gung-ho about starting whatever it is that you're going to start. But as soon as you let someone deter you from that and cripple your mindset, you're done. And so being an outlier 
don't follow suit. Don't let someone influence what you are thinking for yourself and what you've developed yourself. You're going to be successful. And like, like we talked about, going back to the, you know, my parents aren't real estate investors. They bought their house, you know, in 1980 or whatever it was. And now it's quadrupled in value. That's great. You should do that. But take it a step further. Buy a second house in 1985. Buy another house in 1990. Buy another house every year. Do whatever you got to do, but don't let someone knock you off your plan. Don't let someone knock you off your tracks because as soon as they do that, it'll cripple you. And that's it. You're done. You can't ever get back. I had to say it. Like Parents are probably going to be a big thing. Everyone listens to their parents' opinion. Of our generation and, and growing wealth is because, I mean, even talking with my parents, like, They've owned one property their whole life. They had a fear of real estate investing. And it's like, I want to do this. And you could tell they're kind of like, "Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about it. And it's just like, you kind of have to break away from them at some point and start making decisions for yourself and start to really understand where you want to be and how you want to grow. And you're never going to grow as a person if you're going to always look back and fall on them to point you in the right direction because times have changed. I hate to say it. Like our parents are probably not the most tech savvy people in the world when I have to get questions about an iPhone or this or that or that, it's just like we're in the now with where we're at. And so we can start to make decisions where we see the market do this or if we understand that there's this new technology out there that does this and this for us, then it's like jump on it because they don't know about that and they're not going to be familiar with it. Yeah, and you know when I talked earlier about, oh, I bought that house for $12,000 back in 1978 or whatever it was, think 50 years from now, what are that generation going to be saying about this generation you know it's not like tomorrow i mean it could knock on wood it doesn't but tomorrow if the whole universe just crashed no one would be here to talk about anyway but i mean like history repeats itself so why now would you let someone say oh no that's not gonna happen look back 200 years and tell me that it won't happen again yeah i mean technology has changed we're about to have electric cars 100% electric cars around our world now and you thought back when Henry Ford built his Model T that he was telling everyone oh this will never change it'll be the only car that you ever see it's like nah BS he had the same thought process of like I'm creating something now and it's going to be reinvented 100 years from now and it's the same thing with our generation like computers in 2135 or whatever the year is when our kids are still alive it's like It'll probably be in their arm. It'll be embedded somewhere. Who knows? You have no idea. But with where technology goes nowadays, it's anything's possible. Well, and going back to what you said about the parents' situation and their voice in younger people especially, I'm a big believer that my parents have my best interests in mind. Obviously, I mean, they raised me. They want me to be as successful as possible. But like Alex said, as times have changed, the only thing that hasn't changed is the blueprint for creating wealth. I mean, people 200 years ago and people today are still becoming wealthy off of compound interest and investing in real estate, the stock market, whatever it is, it's still happening. It's still live and real today. So why not follow that blueprint and just ride that plan? You don't have to invent a wheel that is made out of air and still fits on cars. You can just follow the blueprint that you know, someone who's 75 years old did back when they were 20, and look what happens. Say, hop on the train, or you're going to wait another 10, 15 years to get the next train. The train only comes through the station every so often, and if if you're not all aboard, then 
just going to be left behind. And there's so many people out there that aren't all aboard, and they're never aboard. They're all about staying off the train, and it's just like, I'm sorry, but if you want to go places and you want to see different things, hop on that damn train. And let's use that train metaphor. Let's say the train is the beginning of your real estate investing career or your stock investment portfolio, whatever it may be. If you get on the train that leaves at 8 a.m., who's going to get there faster, you or the person that waits and gets on the train two weeks from now at 3 p.m.? Obviously, the person that leaves today at 8 a.m. I mean, it's the same thing with investing. If you can start earlier, you're going to arrive at your destination a hell of a lot earlier than someone that, you know, oh, I don't want to get on that train yet. That might not be my stop. It might not be going in the right direction. Oh, my God, is my ticket valid? Did I pay enough? Am I going to get a ticket from the train police because this is invalid? No. Buy a ticket, get your ass on the train, and go to your destination. Yeah, I mean. Today, not Three weeks from now. Call it the retirement train using using this train. Like, do you want to hop on the retirement train when you're 20 and be done when you're 40, 50? Or do you want to hop on the train when you're 40 and be done when you're 80 and you barely can work? It's just like hop on it sooner rather than later because at the end of the day, you're missing out on so many opportunities. And there's a big point I wanted to say at some point in this episode about you know following those right. When you get into real estate investing and you start to like get into it and understand the knowledge behind it and the terms, it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, opportunities will start to pour in when you can talk the talk. If, if you've got the, the same terminology that a seasoned investor has, you'd be surprised. He'll sit down with you and he'll probably open up his book and be like, this is where I'm looking at investing. Do you want to help me? Do you want to get in with me? It's like opportunities start to come in like crazy once you start to do it. So you're going to miss out on all those. And do you want your friend to hop on this opportunity or do you want to get on it? It's, it's just a matter of motivating yourself to do something, take action, change your life, be better. Once you learn how to talk the talk, you're going to learn how to walk the walk right after that. Like Alex said, people that have done it before you, well, not everyone, but a lot of people, they are appreciative and think it's awesome when someone that's young and hungry and motivated comes in and is like, oh, I want to be like you. I want to do what you did. They're willing to share that. I don't know anyone unless they're a dick that's not willing to help someone that's young and hungry because they were in that same position they all yeah they all got help like no no one just did this on their own like (laughs) unless i mean if you did then contact me i want to know how but yeah write a book you got advice from someone in your life and if these old people are growing up and they're like not ready to give it they want to die with this advice there's no benefit to dying with like the knowledge that they have i met this financial planner who worked for merrill lynch and he retired when he was like 26 because he worked for some hedge fund in new york and made millions and was just like okay i can retire and my income and everything will be fine he got so bored of his retirement stage and he understood that he had so much knowledge on the topic and could provide so much value to people he got back into it because he was like i'd be useless if i wasn't giving back to someone so people understand that you know they didn't get successful by themselves and they're gonna have to give back to our generation and it's the same thing when you look at like kids or the next people it's it's mentors you know like pick a mentor follow that mentor and be with that mentor and then when it's your time to mentor someone you better do it simple as that you better do it you better help them out yeah i mean like i said unless that person is a grouch and they want to keep their secrets to themselves they're willing to help you And if they do keep their secrets to themselves, you probably don't want them as a mentor in the first place. And no one's going to their funeral. That's just the type of person they are. You're going to have people from your retirement home join your funeral. And that's about it. Because that's not a good person to be associated with. So he probably doesn't have, or she or he or they 
don't have that many people in their lives. If you are willing to receive help and be coachable from a mentor and then, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, however long it takes for you to become that mentor, give back to someone younger than you, you're going to be well-liked, you're going to be successful, and you're going to have a purpose in your life when you're retired. Like you said, that guy was so bored and you can only golf so many days out of the week. Yeah, you can only you, do you gotta so find something stuff. to do. Help people out. Help people get to your level. I mean, that's goes back to like I look at baseball and you know, growing up, I was fortunate enough that my parents were able to get me lessons to all these people like top hitting instructors, you know, top fielding dudes, go on all these travel teams and do this and this. And I gained so much knowledge through that all. Yeah. And then I got injured and I stopped playing baseball and I've been out of it for however many years now. And it's to the point where I'm starting to think like I need to get back into it so I can give this knowledge back to the younger generation because it's just sitting inside of me and it's it's pointless to hold it all in here when, you know, my parents paid good money for me to understand it. I might as well give it back to some people so that they can at least reap the benefits too. Exactly. It's just like at some point you will always, you're going to be coached and then you are going to coach. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's life. That's yeah. literally life. You grow <laughs> up getting coached your whole life. And then you're going to turn around and start coaching someone through that same process, whether that's your kids, whether that's someone else's kid, whatever it may be. But you're always going to be coached and then coach. It's just the cycle of life. Yeah, if you think that your head baseball coach in high school or Little League or whoever never received coaching, I would bet you my entire savings, asset portfolio, everything that you are wrong. And I would win that bet. Guaranteed. Even if they didn't, I'm sure they reached out to some other coach in an aspect to understand coaching a little bit better. You know, there's no way someone does something without having any knowledge around the topic and is successful at it. They have to reach out for help. You have to understand that there's people willing to advise you, willing to help you. If they're going to spend your time sitting down and advising you through something, take it. Take it and take all the knowledge you can out of it and then grow from it. Yeah. Be a sponge. All right, well, that was the top five reasons people don't invest in real estate. Capital, fear, lack of knowledge, cynicism, and a misguided mindset. Those were our top five reasons people don't invest in real estate. Alex, how do people find you? Anywhere. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You can go to my website as well. I'm available any time of the day as well. I think my contact information is on every platform so my number's out there guys yeah give him a call send him an email he's even if it's just questions to talk like that's the thing i love when someone randomly emails out of the blue and they're just like hey here's a question i have can you answer it's like absolutely i'll get on it right away even if it's not gonna get me anywhere it's just like i'm still helping someone that's why i'm in this industry it is ultimately to help people i get the biggest high from helping someone out what's what i strive for what about you I'm on Instagram at Realtor, T-J-W-R-E-A-L-T-O-R-T-J-W. My website's Trent Werner, T-R-E-N-T-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. And I'm also on Facebook at Trent J. Werner Real Estate. So go like the page, go follow me, shoot me a text, email, call, DM, whatever you want to do. I'm happy to help. So is Alex. Thank you so much for listening and give us a review. Alex, you got one more thing? I was going to say, don't forget to give us a review, guys. We actually look at that and we want to understand how we can be better on this side of things so that the information we're giving out to you guys is actually something you find value in. Yeah, and send us questions. I mean, text, call, or email, DM, doesn't matter. However you want to send us questions, do it. I mean, if there's something that you want to hear about, if there's a topic that you are interested in or wanting to learn more, 
Let us know. We'll go over. If you want to we'll be anonymous, be... there's snail mail. I've got an address. You can send me postage in the mail. You don't have to put your name on it. Like yeah. we're happy to answer questions, whatever way. If if you're afraid to ask that question and you don't want your name said in our podcast, then by all means, we can keep that name discreet. It's just anything. How, how about we only we'll only share the first name? Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, so that way you, it'll be anonymous completely. You'll know we're talking to you. No one else will. Thank you. Really appreciate you listening. Leave a comment. Add it to your favorites. Like share it. it. Five-star review, everything. Thank you.